This is the Thorn Podcast, the show that navigates the complex world of wellness and explores the latest science behind diet, supplements, and lifestyle approaches to good health. I'm Dr. Robert Roundtree, Chief Medical Advisor at Thorne and Functional Medicine Doctor. And I'm Dr. Frank Lipman, New York Times bestseller and Functional Medicine Doctor. As a reminder, the recommendations made in this podcast are the recommendations of the individuals who express them and not the recommendations of Thorne. Statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Thorn Podcast, and hi, Bob. Always great to speak to you about life, health, and music. We don't chat about music anymore. You know, <laughs> maybe we'll have to do a podcast on music. Johnny Clay. But anyway, hi, everyone. <laughs> well, today we're not going to talk about music, folks. We're going to talk about sleep. And before we get into our topic, uh, Bob, I've got to ask you about what's going on there because uh, you guys in Colorado have been having a tough time. Yeah, the the uh, fires have been really intense in the last couple of weeks. Um, clearly, something has changed. We had a really warm, dry summer, and uh, and we're paying the price for it now. Just in the last six, eight weeks, suddenly fires are breaking out all over the place. We've had a couple that are very close to us, and it was a bit of a scary time. We thought we was going to have to thought we were going to have to evacuate for a little while there. Fortunately, they got that one under control, uh, although it did rip through a few neighborhoods and destroy them. Um, the biggest concern we have now is north of here in in Rocky Mountain National Park. This is a fire burning up at very high elevation, really dry wood, and so. Uh, send your thoughts and prayers to to that area because there are literally thousands of people that are having to evacuate right now. So it's a it's a wild time on the planet. So okay, folks. Today our main topic is sleep, and uh, we're going to discuss a couple of things and take some questions. Uh, Bob, I'm I'm realizing more in the last year or two how important sleep is or actually the effects of a lack of sleep or poor sleep on my patients from, you know, not only the typical lack of cognition uh, and uh, mood problems, for instance, people who have a continuous blood glucose monitor, you know, people come in and they'll have a spike in their blood sugar and you ask them what they've eaten and that their diet hasn't changed and you go through a bit more of a history and they haven't slept properly. Um, I'm noticing major effects on all systems from a lack of sleep or poor sleep. So why don't we get into that? Why is this happening? What's been your experience and why do you think this, what do you think is going on? Well, it's, it's interesting because there's, there's almost a PC and AC, pre-COVID and after-COVID effect that's going on. I remember that in the months, in the year prior to the pandemic, that there was a lot of talk about sleep deprivation as being endemic in our society. Before the pandemic, what was endemic is sleep deprivation. So people were on the go, they were commuting, uh, they just didn't have time to sleep. So that was more of a of lifestyle choice 
and it was leaving a lot of people really wiped out and exhausted. Now what's happened, according to surveys, is that with the pandemic, people are sleeping longer uh, on about an hour on average, you know, because they don't have that hour commute in the morning. They're going to bed earlier. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're sleeping more soundly, as you're pointing out. And sometimes people are aware of it and sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they're aware of it just because they they wake up uh, feeling exhausted even after they've been in bed for nine hours. And other times it gets pointed out by the spouse who said you were either snoring all night or kicking the sheets around, tossing and turning, or they get an aura ring or a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, an iWatch, and they look at the sleep tracker and it tells them they're not actually going into deep sleep. So what would account for this? I do think it's chronic stress. We started out with this podcast just talking about the stress of fires, but there's seems like there's something crazy going on just about everywhere. So I think people have a lot more to process at night. And I, I think that's keeping them from being able to fall into a deep, relaxing, refreshing, restorative sleep. I, I think that's part of it. Um, just that there's more stress in the air and we need to be aware of, of how that impacts us even when we seem to be unconscious. Uh, it's been pointed out by Matthew Walker, who's the, probably one of the world's experts on sleep, that sleep is not a time when the brain turns off. Sleep is a time when the brain is actually doing a lot of tasks. So if we give it even more tasks by, by going to bed with tons of stress uh, that's unresolved, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you've you've put out a lot of stuff about how we need to actively de-stress. Yeah, and no, I think I agree 100%. I, I, I do think, and I, I had previously noticed it even with myself, often when I, would, when I noticed I'd wake up at night or couldn't fall back asleep or I wasn't sleeping properly, I would look at what was going on in, in my life and I realized I was more stressed than I realized. Or I realized I was stressed when I didn't, it was unconscious. I didn't even know I was stressed until I wasn't sleeping properly. So, you know, I think that's 100% correct and I, I agree. I think most of the people who have sleep problems that I see, uh, stress is a, an issue. And stress now with the elections, what's going on in this country, um, with the pandemic, um, on top of people living 24-7 lives, working so hard, I think stress has become much worse for most people. So, yes, the, the, the one thing I'd like to talk about or, you know, ask what your, um, what your take is on these sleep trackers. You know, I do have an aura ring. I'm not sure how accurate it is for deep sleep to be quite honest, but I think, I mean, there's definitely something there. I'm not 100% sure um, how it works. You know, it usually correlates with the way I feel I've slept, um, but I'm not sure because, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I meditate in bed, it, for instance, it reads it as sleep. Usually not deep sleep, but occasionally it's read it as deep sleep too. So I'm not sure that, you know, obviously measuring, you know, whatever it's measuring, uh, blood flow or uh, yeah, impedance, I'm not sure 
what it's measuring, but do you think how accurate do you think these sleep trackers are? I mean, I do think they're helpful because they are making people aware of their lack of sleep or how they're sleeping and, and making people um, more conscientious about their sleep. But how accurate do you think these sleep trackers actually are? Uh, well, I have to tell you that I was lecturing at a medical conference and uh, I, I I was basically endorsing an aura ring. I, that was before I lost mine. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I, I was really enjoying the feedback from it. And then I went out for a hike in the mountains and came back and it wasn't on my hand. And I thought, well, I'm not going to recreate that 12 mile hike to look for that ring. So it was a, you know, it was a sad day for me because I, I had been using it a lot and I, I did get a lot of information from it. So I was kind of enthusiastic, but then I, I'm giving this presentation to a group of doctors and a woman stands up and says, well, I'm a sleep specialist and I can tell you that the results you get from these sleep trackers are not even close to what we see in a sleep lab. Interesting. And so I, I'm, my, my comeback to that was, yeah, but a sleep bag lab is an artificial situation, right? When you tell somebody, I want you to go sleep in this foreign place, um, you know, often attached to a hospital or a clinic or something like that, that doesn't reproduce what's going on in real life. So the plus side of using a sleep tracker, like a ring or a Fitbit, um, is that they're measuring what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. And I did find that when I had one, it was pretty useful to give me the sense of the overall trend. Right. So that's what I would say. It's not a medical device. It's not, I wouldn't use it for making a precise diagnosis of say sleep apnea or something like that. But I, I did find from day to day that it, it was a relatively good match for, how much sleep I was getting and how rested I was afterwards. So I, I do think for people who are wondering, is sleep part of their problem? Are they fatigued because they're not getting enough sleep? Could it be, you know, that they're they're not getting enough deep sleep or not getting enough REM? If if people don't remember their dreams, then they they may not think they're getting enough REM and the sleep tracker can tell you whether you're getting that or not. Right. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think um, what I tell people is I'm, I'm not sure how accurate. it seems to be um, good for patterns. Also, don't look at the number they give you. If they give you a score of 80 or 90, um, things like, you know, I just tell people to look at the REM sleep and the deep sleep. Right? Yes. To me, those are the, the, the most important as opposed to getting a score of, of 90. Because if you, you can be in bed for eight hours and not sleeping properly, and it'll still give you a much higher score than, you know, if you if you still have a lot of good deep sleep and REM sleep and and don't get enough time in, in sleeping. So I agree with that. I I also have found, you know, now that more and more people are, are using a continuous blood glucose monitor. Yes. Um, that there's definitely a correlation with blood glucose and sleep or lack of sleep. I've seen people who um, blood sugars go up the next day when they don't sleep as well. So, I mean, I find that pretty fascinating and that's 
pretty. I mean, that seems to be a correlation. I don't have that many people doing it, but the, you know, the five or six that I've seen who are tracking that, there definitely seems to be a correlation with their sleep and their blood glucose. Do you find that people's sugars are dropping in the middle of the night and that that correlates with uh, sleep problems? Uh, it's more that their blood sugar goes up the next day oh. that I've really been looking at rather than their, their blood sugar being affected at night. I, I find, for instance, when, when I, we're tracking the... Well, this is what's happened to me when we're tracking a continuous blood glucose monitor and someone's blood sugar is a little bit high in the morning and we say, well, what did you have for breakfast? They say, well, I didn't have breakfast or I had, yeah. you know, I had eggs for breakfast. So there wasn't a correlation with not eating or what they had eaten in their blood glucose. And when you pursue them a little bit further, it's often because they hadn't slept that well. So I find that interesting. I mean, I, you know, this is still early days, but I, I, there's obviously some correlation. So Bob, I have a important question concept that I think is probably one of the big things that is ignored or not taken into account when it comes to sleep. Sleep and wake are your basic rhythms night and day yes um to me to me sleep is just a symptom of some other problem in the body i mean yes it's often caused by anxiety but sleep is often a rhythm disorder or when our bodies are out of rhythm um and you know we we know we have internal clocks we know um sleep and wake are our, our main rhythms why don't we take this into account as much that you know trying to get people back into rhythm what what's what's your take on that i'm quite obsessed with rhythm you know we, we're talking about music i mean maybe because of the music but you know what's your take on rhythm and sleep and the correlation and and how we can adjust body rhythms to affect our sleep well i totally agree with you and i i have to confess this is based on my own experience which is um, we, we approach sleep as if it's a digital phenomenon, which is we, we seem to think that we can work all day and then get in bed and turn the switch off, right. right? There's a switch. I'm going to sleep now. Push the button. Boom. I'm out. Now, I know a few people that can do that. I can't do that. I, and I, it's been a really hard learning for me to realize that I need to spend a bit of time unwinding, that I can't come down into my, my office and work at the computer until 11 or 11.30 and then think that I can go back to the bedroom, brush my teeth in the, in the bathroom, and then get in bed and go to sleep. I need to have a transitional period where I'm doing something relaxing. Um, and I've, I've really gotten into that more during the pandemic with all this time home, and it, it does help me sleep better. So I think that addresses the issue you're talking about. Rhythm is, you know, there's lots of different kinds of rhythms, as Gabriel Roth pointed out. You were friends of Gabriel Roth, weren't right, you? Right, right. Yes, yeah, yeah. She was an yeah. amazing woman, and she said yeah. the body's got these five different rhythms, which you can dance out. Uh, in fact, I remember you bringing her to the Integrative Healthcare Symposium once and getting everybody to 
She, she was telling people, you're, yeah. you're sitting in your seats too much. You need to get up and, and move about. So that was a, that was a very enlightening uh, teaching that Gabriel Roth brought us, which is we need to, to acknowledge all the different rhythms in our body. It's not just a staccato rhythm, which is something that people who are hard workers and high achievers get into. They're all staccato. Right. On, off, on, off, on, right. off. And, and a true rhythm goes through all different kinds of phases. Right. And, and I think um, it, what I've found just playing around with with um, rhythm and night and day, one of the best tips I and I do it myself that I give to patients, one of the best things they can do to sleep better at night is to get up well, obviously to go to bed and get up about the same time every day but the first thing in the morning is to get out inside get outside and get some natural light yeah and i find that you know especially in the summer when i get up early and go for a ride um first thing in the morning i sleep so well now it could be other reasons too but my experience has been if i get natural light first thing in the morning um, i tend to sleep better so incredibly helpful and i think that just sets the body up for the daytime alertness that is the opposite of the nighttime drowsiness that we want when we're going to sleep and, and your point is well taken um, bob to go 100 miles an hour and expect to stop dead and go to sleep most people can't do that <laughs> and i find especially as i get older you can't i mean you know people say well you know, as I get older, I'm not sleeping as much or I don't need as much sleep. You know, I, I also, what's your take on that? I don't think we don't need as much. I just think it's harder to it's get harder. as much sleep. as we, Yeah, so it's not that we don't need it. You just got to pay more attention as we get older because, you know, it is definitely harder to, to get a good amount of sleep as we get older. It doesn't come as naturally, and I think part of that might be hormonal. Exactly. I think when you're younger, you make a lot more melatonin, and it's easier to make melatonin. I think when you get older, you all the normal chemicals in the brain that cause the signaling, that, like melatonin, that tell you when to go to sleep or how long to stay asleep, I, I think those things get disrupted. Right. And I agree, it, it becomes more of a discipline to get sleep when you're older. It's not a discipline when you're five years old. You close your eyes and you're out. Right, I, I see it with my grandson. My, my daughter is very disciplined with his sleep, and it's great, but he just can go to sleep. But which, that gets me to another question for you. Supplements to actually increase the calming neurotransmitters or serotonin or melatonin. As we get older, these you, you talked about the hormones decreasing. Obviously, these neurotransmitters must be decreasing as well because is that why the GABA and maybe glycine and L-theanine um, seem to work? So what supplements do you use to help people sleep? And I assume it's going to be these ones that induce more of a or increase the calming neurotransmitters. Yeah, you mentioned GABA. I like PharmaGABA, um, which is a plant-derived source of, of a chemical that seems to be absorbed in the body. I, I've certainly got into uh, disagreements with some of my mainstream colleagues and say, well, GABA, that would be impossible. It's too big a molecule that can't be 
absorbed, but there's studies that show that when people take pharmagaba, it changes brain waves. I, and I've experienced it. Um, I've taken GABA, pharmagaba many, many times, uh, and you can feel it. It's It doesn't knock you out. It just makes you feel calmer. Yep. Uh, I also find that uh, pharmagaba is not just something to take at bedtime, but if I wake up, you know, in the middle of the night, if I have a, something on my mind that's keeping me going, then I'll often take a couple of caps of pharmagaba then. And what I like about it is it, it doesn't make me feel hungover the next morning. So I like pharmagaba. I like L-theanine, which is a substance found in green tea. Yeah. L-theanine supposedly explains why the caffeine in green tea is not as stimulating as the green as the caffeine in coffee uh, because theanine right. is kind of the anti-caffeine that some people call it right. zen in a bottle yeah i <laughs> i love i use l-theanine and gaba a lot for people just to you know it's a i tell them it's a chill pill and i'm not i don't really care what the scientists say i see it work clinically there's no question and i take it myself i mean i've I've seen it work hundreds and hundreds of times, if not thousands of yep. times yep. when people are stressed. As you point out, it's not just for the night, it's for the day. I mean, people love it. Yep. People really, really love it. It just takes the edge off. Yep. And they're, not, they're safe and non-addictive. So Ex Exactly. One last question about supplements before we go to community questions. CBD, which I'm using more and more for sleep and, and stress. What's... Your take on CBD, which one to use, how do you find the right one for you, for sleep, for stress? Well, I take it, I do take it myself. You know, I prefer hemp oil because it has that whole range of the cannabinoids, the phytocannabinoids, but it doesn't have uh, THC in it. Uh, I, I'm not really a fan of THC. I don't like that feeling, um, but I find that CBD... Uh, in you know, as a as a component of hemp oil is very calming, and the other thing is it settles the GI tract. So for people that have like a nervous stomach that keeps them up at night, then hemp oil is really good for that as well. There's a hemp oil plus that Thorn makes that has also got a number of other plant extracts in it that complement it. I think is a are really terrific product. Okay, this is really interesting. Um... Bob, but uh, let's just take a little bit of a break and then we'll come back and we'll continue our discussion and take some questions. Want to stay up to date on the latest nutritional and wellness news? Then head over to thorn.com and visit Take 5 Daily to sign up to have free wellness content delivered directly to your inbox. You'll get access to news, videos, and other expert insights covering everything from immune health, diet, and lifestyle advice, and the latest wellness research in an easy-to-digest format. Visit thorn.com to learn more. That's T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Okay, welcome back to the Thorn Podcast, and now we're going to go to community questions, and the first one is from K4 
with Cat08. What is the best type of CBD to take for better sleep? So, would Bob, would you, you like the hemp, hemp oil? oil? I like hemp oil plus because you've got the, I like full spectrum cannabinoids. That's the best way I'd put it. You know, if we just focus on CBD, we're overlooking what's called the entourage effect. The entourage effect says that, uh, or postulates that it's not just CBD, but it's all the related chemicals that you would find in the plant source that work well together. Now, that being said, if somebody's got really bad insomnia, they may need more than one capsule at night. They may need several in the beginning to calm their system down. So it's it's not a magic cure for somebody with insomnia. For somebody who sleeps pretty well, but they just want better sleep, usually a one capsule of bedtime is all they need. Good point. My experience with CBD has been different people seem to respond to different CBDs and different doses. It's very, very, um, you, you know, it's, there's not one dose that fits all. Okay, the next question is from that Satori moment. How do I get more deep sleep? So I'll start with that. I've seen CBD actually help get, you know, more deep sleep. I, I definitely find when I get out early in the morning and exercise, ride my bike, I ride my bike. But when I get out early in the morning um, and exercise, I tend to get more deep sleep. Deep sleep. When I'm much more relaxed um, and not watching TV at night and what's going on and freaking out, I get more deep sleep. So I think... It's, it's less about taking something for deep sleep than, or for more deep sleep than looking at what's going on in your life, which is affecting why you aren't getting the deep sleep. That's definitely been my experience that um, it's those other lifestyle factors, the stress, the exercise, and um, what you're eating is going to affect uh, how, how much deep sleep you get. Your, your take on that, Bob? Yeah, so I, I agree with your point that it's the whole program, right? It's not just any one thing. So it's not just a supplement. Um, you know, it's when you get up in the morning, what you do during the day. I would add to that that I think um, at some point doing a mindfulness meditation of some sort or prayer or whatever works, you know, whatever floats yeah. your boat uh, to get into a, a deeply relaxed state for 15 or 20 minutes during the day. Um, that's, that's what keeps me sane. Um, and I definitely sleep better when I have done that. I find that taking magnesium with my evening meal can be helpful. I prefer magnesium glycinate because the glycine that's bound to the magnesium is also good for maintaining restful sleep. So it's magnesium and glycine that are good. I like both of those. And then uh, think about the sleep environment. A lot of people sleep better when they're all bundled up and in a somewhat cool room with really fresh air. So, you know, I like having a, like some kind of air purifier or humidifier or something in the room that makes sure that cool, fresh air, you know, but then, you know, you want to be warm. So it's, you know, dark room, soft bed, cold room, you know, maybe yeah. a down maybe a down uh, sleeping pad underneath, not necessarily on top. Right. And the, the glycine, by the way, is very, I've seen that help a lot as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take one more question from 
yachting concierge. Are there any natural alternatives for disrupted sleep from snoring? <laughs> Sn snoring is a whole nother story, folks, but um, I, I don't think... I, I think if you're snoring, there are some gadgets that can help. You've got to maybe look into... Is, do you possibly have sleep apnea? If you're snoring and it's bad, um, it may be time to get yourself checked out for sleep apnea. Uh, there are some devices that open up the pathways that people swear by. I mean, I've had patients come in and their wives couldn't sleep with them because they were snoring and they got them either something to open up their nasal passages or change the, the, the shape of the jaw. And that seems to have helped as well. So there's obviously a mechanical thing. Um, I have seen people lose weight and their snoring gets better as well. Um, but I don't see a pill um, or a natural alternative, or, or maybe these are the natural alternatives for snoring, but snoring is something that I do feel needs to be checked into and addressed. Thoughts, Bob? Well, um, I agree. I don't think there's a pill that's great for snoring. Um, I do want to make sure that the person isn't overproducing mucus at night, and for that, I recommend yeah. a saline yeah. nasal irrigation, which is simple, safe, cheap, you know, about a quarter of a teaspoon or maybe even a little less salt and about four plus ounces of warm water should be uh, really pure water because uh, there have been situations where people put water up their nose and it turned out to have microbes in it that were bad. So either distilled water or water that's been boiled and then cooled off. So salt water, a pinch of baking soda, and then use a neti pod or a or a bulb syringe to flush the sinuses out at bedtime. Sometimes I can make a huge difference. It's a little bit of a pain to do that at night, but for people that are willing to to engage in the discipline, I think it can make a difference. The other thing that's a little trick is you, you can buy these Band-Aid-like devices called Breathe Right Nasal Strips Yeah. That uh, that go over the nose bridge and hold the nose open and some people find that those are really helpful. So there's all kinds of little tricks and devices like that that can just hold the nose open. You know, if people can engage in nasal breathing at night, that might solve the problem. Yep. I've definitely seen or heard from patients that that's helped them. So thank you, Bob. This has been a great discussion. We should do a couple more on sleep. There's so much to talk about. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Thorn Podcast, all about sleep. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. If you've got a health or wellness question you'd like answered, simply follow our Instagram and shoot a message to at Thorn Research. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to join us next time for another episode of the Thorn Podcast.